Welcome to the 24-Minute Bible Podcast featuring Pastor Mark Miner, where we will journey together to help you grasp how the Bible fits together to provide a coherent, understandable, and historical book. The purpose of this podcast is not to convince, but to help you understand. Not to defend, but to connect the dots of this most amazing book. Not to debate, but to discover the plan of the Bible. There is a plan. If you enjoy what you hear today, please leave us a review. It really does help us. And now, here's Pastor Mark. Well, welcome today, and I'd like to start off this episode, episode 47, with a story, if I could, a true story, a story about a young lady, a 22-year-old Seattle resident by the name of Vicki. Uh, Vicki had a very good voice. She uh, was quite often hired to sing at some of the local clubs and late-night establishments around the city of Seattle. So she did that from time to time, and on one particular evening, she, uh, as, as things went late, she was unable to find or catch, procure a taxi. So she did something she didn't really often do, but she rewarded, resorted to taking a ride home from one of the patrons. On the way home, though, a, a very tragic traffic accident occurred. Uh, the van that she was riding in rolled as it ran off the road. It ejected Vicky from the van, uh, leaving her with <clears throat> life-threatening injuries, a basal skull fracture, broken neck, and a broken back. Vicky was barely alive. Uh, she was not aware, of course, of the EMT workers that came to the site to work on her, nor was she aware of the ambulance ride uh, taking her to Harborview Medical Center there in Seattle. But she does remember the ER room where she was at, sort of. Vicki recalls looking down from what seemed to be the ceiling of that emergency room, looking upon the body of a woman, a tall, thin woman with long blonde hair, a wedding band engraved with an orange blossom. She remembers seeing a male doctor and a female nurse scurrying all around the room, uh, screaming and shouting, working furiously on this bro the broken body of this young woman. Uh, and they were shouting all over the emergency room, we can't bring her back. We can't bring her back. At first, what Vicki was watching made no sense to her. Then suddenly, there was a reality of what was taking place in this situation. That, that was her that the doctors were working on. That, that was her body. Now, as amazing as that kind of scenario might be of Vicki hovering there over the site, the scene in the emergency room at Harborview Medical Center, there was something even more amazing going on at work and more astounding at, in this situation, at work in this situation, and more astounding to Vicki. Vicki, you see, had been born blind. She had never had sight a day in her 22 years of life. But now, for the first time, floating above the scene of her currently dead body, she had never been more alive. She was able to see herself and, and described in detail later on the people in the events there in the ER, uh, something she could never have done when she was alive. But now, in this moment hovering between earth and ever after, Vicki could see. Isn't that an amazing story? It's a true story, by the way, and we'll touch more on that in a minute. But So the question is, for episode 47 of, of our podcast, what actually happens when we die? What does the Bible have to say to us about life after death, 
and that, my friends, is the focus of today's podcast, episode 47, uh, What Happens When We Die. So we're going to look at this through the eyes of the Bible because, of course, the Bible is central to everything that we talk about on this podcast. We're also going to look at it from a sense of there is a a structure, a plan as God reveals through his word, taking uh, complex issues and sort of unfolding them before our very eyes. And he does that all the time through the scripture. Uh, But we are going to be looking at uh, this subject, what happens Uh, when people die from a biblical view. By the way, that story I just shared is a documented story, research done by a Dutch researcher uh, called Dr. Pim von Lamel. And the research is reported on in a book called Mindsight by Dr. Ring. Uh, He is a professor emeritus of psychology at the University of Connecticut. Uh, And it's also recorded in another book uh, that actually my son gave me that I've read called Imagine Heaven by John Burke. Now, Our purpose today is not to document near-death experiences. There are all kinds of them, and there are many, many, many books out there about that. But that's really not what the purpose of today is, and it's not to convince you of their uh, veracity or truth. Rather, it is, though, to excite you. Yes, I mean that, to excite you, because with a quick scan through the Bible on the topic of what happens when we die, we can get excited. It's, It's a question we all wonder about. As a pastor, I've, I've had opportunity to be in many places, homes, hospitals, accident sites, when a, a person dies, when the body dismisses the spirit. For me, it's, it's a very holy and spiritual and in some ways an intimate experience to be there at that moment of, of translation from this world to the next. Since the first Bible reported death on planet Earth, which, by the way, was a murder, uh, Cain killing Abel, humanity has had to face with the question, what happens to people when they die? Even more personal, what, what happens to me when I die? The Bible teaching is very clear. There is life after death. We are not just uh, finally evolved palm scum, pond scum. We are not just some random chance. There, there is according to the scripture, life after death. What I hope to do is explain a little bit of the Bible's progressive revelation of this really most exciting, at least for believers anyway, subject. I mean, it is our graduation day, as difficult as it is to wrestle with death, and we have to do that in our culture uh, quite often, way too often as families and uh, churches and and societies and, and communities lay down the physical life and body of loved ones. But there are some things in common that uh, seem to occur around this whole subject of what happens when we die, that seem to accompany this issue of death, especially with the passing of a Jesus believer. So so here we go. Uh, we're going to look at three things, as we always do, three points, if you will. We're going to talk about uh, restoration, reservation, and reservation. Resurrections. I'll get it right here in a minute. Secondly, we're going to talk about a biblical progression on this understanding of death. And thirdly, and probably most importantly, most excitingly anyway, uh, we're going to be talking about the journey. So thank you for joining me today. And let's uh, get right into understanding some definitions or some terms, if you will. So restorations, reservations, and resurrections. 
there is a distinct difference between those three terms. And I'd like to try to make that simple for you today as we look at that. <clears throat> for example, what is a restoration? Well, many people have died that have been restored to life only to die again. For example, let's think of Lazarus. We know his story. Jesus stands outside his tomb. He's been dead four days. Lazarus come forth. And Lazarus steps out of that tomb very much alive, taking off the winding cloth that, that was wrapped around him. And he's very much alive. Mary and Martha have their brother back. But let's also remember that Lazarus is going to die again. He got restored we have 2 Kings chapter 4 where the prophet Elisha restores to life a young child. Uh, the Shumanite woman uh, had had a child, had a heat stroke. The child had died. She went and got him. He comes. If you remember the story, he brings life back to that child. Ultimately, though, that's just a restoration. That child will die. You might remember in the New Testament, Dorcas or Tabitha, she lives in the city of Joppa and she has passed away. They go get Peter and Simon Peter comes to the house there in Joppa. It's been hours, uh, perhaps even a day or so since the death because they've washed her body. They have the body laid out in the parlor or the living room as, as often was done in, in, in the old cultures and even in our culture in, in not too far distant past. <clears throat> Peter comes prays over her, if you look at the story in the book of Acts, and Dorcas or Tabitha comes back to life. What a, what a trip that would be to walk down the stairs with this woman who was very much dead and say, oh, by the way, here she is, and introduce her again to the crowd. What a glorious chill and thrill must have gone through their, their uh, collective bodies. Yet, the reality is Tabitha or Dorcas died later on. It was a restoration. You might remember the <clears throat> the widow in the city of Nain, Jesus raised to life her child uh, in the middle of a funeral procession, but he died again. And so you, you get the idea. I could reference others, but there are six or seven different restorations in the Bible of people who were dead, who were brought back to life, restored to life, only to die again. So that's a restoration. Let's talk about reservation. Uh, reservations. People who have been dead and their physical bodies are no longer available for them to be restored as the ones I just referenced were. For example, there's Samuel. We read about this in 1 Samuel chapter 28. He is brought back by the witch of Endor. Some would debate whether that was genuinely Samuel or not coming up because of that seance or that encounter. I'm going to suggest to you that it was, but <clears throat> that was not a restoration, but it certainly was an appearance of, of uh, Samuel there. We also have Moses and Elijah, very much dead, very much gone for thousands of years. Uh, and yet here they are talking to Jesus on this mountain uh, in uh, Israel and very much alive. So they, their bodies are, their physical bodies are gone, but they're still very much there. And even Abraham Jesus, uh, we don't have an appearance of Abraham, but Jesus referenced something interesting in John chapter 8 where he's talking to the Pharisees, basically debating the Pharisees, and he's talking about Abraham, and he said, Abraham saw my day and is, was, is glad in it. He, in other words, Jesus saying, Abraham's watching what's taking place right now on this planet as I, the Son of God, am here doing the very thing and fulfilling what Abraham and others had prophesied would happen. So there was, there were, there was a reservation in a sense. Uh, <clears throat> they were uh, prepared for. John 14, Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. 
so that uh, where I am, you may be also. You have a reservation right now. You're not there, but you have a reservation. Uh, it's kind of like if you're building a house, you maybe aren't living in it yet. You've got an architect or you've got a contractor and that contractor is building the house and you drive by it and you think about it and you look at it and you imagine it's yours, it's there, but you haven't inhabited it yet. You have a reservation. So uh, we have at least eight references in the Bible concerning the Lamb's book of life. And if you are a believer in Christ, according to what Jesus has said, your name was written in this book of life. So you're there. In fact, Hebrew, or Philippians 3.20 tells us that you are a citizen of heaven right now. You may be living in a foreign land. I've traveled to some different countries. I'm, I'm a citizen of the United States, even when I am in a different country. Well, you're living, you're a pilgrim passing through. So you have your reservation. You haven't picked it up or lived it through yet, So, uh, but someday you will. So there are restorations. There are those who have reservations. And then there's this thing called the resurrection. And that is also a different because it has a different term because it has pre present and future implications. First Corinthians 15, uh, starting in verse 20 says, but now Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who fall asleep. For since by a man came death, by a man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, every one of us, so also in Christ we will all be made alive. In other words, he's talking about resurrection. Simply put, the resurrection is our final status. We're no longer on a layaway plan. We, yeah, that's a weird term. We're no longer on a layaway plan. We are not on some Star Trek mission for God like Moses and Elijah were coming down talking to Jesus. <clears throat> we are not experiencing a remodeling job like Lazarus did. He got him a new body. But sooner or later, that new remodeling job was going to get old, and Lazarus, of course, was going to die. Fixing up the old worn out to extend it, it's used for a period of time. Nope. With the resurrection, when we are resurrected, we will be home. Forever and forever home. Everything is as it should and forever will be. And our days, as far as our body and our earthly deeds, are totally over. So that is the resurrection, if that makes any sense. Now, Let's go, so there's those three terms. Let's look at some terms concerning the progressive understanding of death. Uh, there, it is, there are some things to, for us to understand. The Old Testament uses 65 times the word sheol, and it means the grave or the underworld. Uh, sometimes it's translated in King James, hell. Psalms 16.10 from the New American Standard says, You will not abandon my soul to sheol. Now, I'm going to suggest to you that uh, <clears throat> the Old Testament understanding of death was not complete. It was, we, we knew what it was to die, but we really didn't understand what it meant to be alive, to be resurrected, to have this eternal life. There was that feel, that, um, that, that instinctive sort of, uh, there must be a life after this death, that they didn't understand as well as we do. Uh, and now, of course, we know post Jesus, we understand. Um, Jesus uh, used the word paradise. In fact, the word paradise is used three times in the Bible, once by Jesus and twice by Paul. But Jesus is hanging on the cross. And uh, as we know, he said to the thief, this day you will be with me in paradise. 
And paradise usually means the upper regions of heaven, kind of an, an enclosure or a, a very special sort of a preserve, an area that's beautiful and pristine and set apart for you. And that's the meaning of the term paradise. So there's Sheol and there's paradise. But then there's the term that we often use incorrectly, and that's the term heaven. Uh, 600 and some times the word heaven is used in the Old Testament. And that word could be used of the atmosphere. It could be used of outer space, or it could be used of the home of God. Those are the three heavens, if you will, three levels of heaven. But the New Testament speaks of heaven 259 times, 135 times in the gospel. Jesus was always talking about his home. In fact, we, we see it a lot. Our Father who art in heaven, holy is your name, Matthew 5.16. Jesus talked about going to prepare that place for you, your heavenly dwelling. He spoke often about the kingdom of heaven. He spoke of it as a real place with real events and real people. Jesus mentions heaven twice in the Lord's Prayer. And in John 6, Jesus claims to have come from heaven four different times. Lastly, on Acts chapter 11, the angels inform the disciples as they're standing there on the Mount of Olives. Uh, Acts, excuse me, not Acts 11, Acts 1. In Acts 1, Jesus has ascended into the heavenly and the angels are standing there with the disciples, and they say, Disciples, why are you looking around? Jesus has ascended into heaven. Oh, and by the way, in the same way that he left, he's coming back someday. So heaven is a real place. And when we think about our lives and what it will be like for us to die, we do need to think and, and just kind of imagine some about the journey. So the rest of this podcast, we'll be talking about uh, the journey. Let's do get one other definition, and that's a biblical definition of death. Sometimes we think death is when our heart stops, or sometimes we think it's when our brain stops. We're brain dead. James 2.26 gives us a biblical, I think, definition of death. It says the body without the spirit is dead. So when the spirit leaves the body, biblically, literally, I think you are dead. Does that mean you can't be restored? No, you might be able to be restored. Uh, you may not be resurrected, but you could be restored. If somebody does CPR or if, if it's a, a drowning and they can bring you back or some other things. But that is, a think, I think, a biblical definition. The body without the spirit is dead. Now let's talk about a few things here concerning the journey that are always interesting to me. I hope they are to you as well. And, and we have a lot of documentation, a lot of research going on right now on this whole issue of what's the journey like. So let's talk about the separation. Uh, we may or may not have a sense of separation when you die and when somebody passes away. Uh, they may or may not feel their soul leaving their body. Paul, for example, in 2 Corinthians, he was not sure if his body was with him or if his body was still on the earth. And we picked that up in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. So we don't always know when uh, that takes place, uh, when a death, your death, my death, somebody's death takes place. But we are <clears throat> aware of a traveling. We, we understand that we are absent the, uh, from the body. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord, uh, the scripture says. And so there is a separation that takes place. 
1 Corinthians 15, the whole chapter really talks about that separation. And it also speaks about the new body, the different sort of being that, or phys- not physical body, but that certain entity that we will possess when we transition, when we leave our dirt body here on earth, because that has to happen. Uh, second, 1 Corinthians 15 again uh, says, verse, starting with verse 2, also there is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown, talking about our physical bodies, it is sown a perishable body, perishable body, but it is raised an imperishable body. Sown in dishonor, raised in glory. Sown in weakness, raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. And so the scripture goes on and tells us that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. We can't, our bodies can't make that journey. We are in an earth suit made out of dirt here on planet earth. But when we die, what happens to you when you die? You will experience the separation of your spirit from your body. Now, I reference that first story. uh, And oftentimes in the research that we're seeing right now being done, as well as, I don't know if there's anything specifically from the Bible concerning this, But quite often, there seems to be this hovering where the body is laying there, uh, perhaps in an ER room or on the accident scene or wherever it might be. But you leave your body and yet you hover for a period of time. You seem to be able to see things that are going on, people. Uh, A lot of mysterious, wonderful, exciting stories similar to Vicky's where Things have been seen by somebody who had left their body. Now don't just dismiss it out of hand. It may seem a little strange, but it does seem to be very common when we have a death and when that transition is taking place. There, there's also uh, the idea of traveling. Uh, we, we are moving. We're being drawn to something, it seems like. I'll talk about that more in just a second. But uh, you're moving quickly. Some people say at the speed of light. I don't know... Uh, excuse me, exactly about how fast or how far or if it's a dimensional thing and a time shift. The Bible doesn't seem to be totally clear on us or about that to us, but it does say that there is a lot involved with light. Moses and Elijah, when they stood on the mountain with Jesus, they were, they were clothed in a splendor, a light suit, if you will. So there's something amazing going on as we make that journey. There is also the arrival Uh, Once we've left planet Earth, once our spirit, our soul has separated from our body, our body remains on Earth, the part that really is you, uh, your soul, is moving rapidly toward something. Now, the arrival, uh, what's going on? What's going to happen at that moment? Well, in some sense, it's not as as big a deal as we think. And by that, I simply mean that... There aren't any walls or barriers. There's no St. Peter at the door. There's no metal detectors or security officers. Uh, It seems to be quite a different sort of phenomenon going on for believers when they they pass. If you might have seen Toy Story 3 at the end of that little children's movie, but uh, they're on a conveyor belt and there's a great big magnet up above and that magnet is sucking, pulling up everything to it that is metal, that is flowing down that conveyor belt, or just if you've seen something like that, think about that. Well, the magnet is drawing those things, that, ma- that metal, up, and everything else is the refuge. 
Uh, the pieces of metal are sort of zapped magically up by this huge magic ma magnet. They're gathered. They're drawn. And most of the research says that that's the way we come into heaven. It's not that we have to show our criteria, present our cards, uh, tell certain secret words. None of that. We are just drawn to the light. Uh, it's very uh, mysterious and very amazing. It almost seems that there is a drawing for those who have already made reservations. And so at that moment of your ending your life here on this earth, you are being drawn toward it. And we do see that in Scripture. Uh, are there greeters there to meet you? Well, perhaps uh, a lot of the research shows that they have been people that have uh, welcomed you home. Most of them are people from your past or people that you would have known. At least that's the experiences from a lot of the near-death experiences. And, and there certainly is this new feeling of eternal life. Everybody reports, I've never felt anything like this before. Uh, we're running out of time, so let me close with some research concerning uh, evidence for an afterlife, or at least what happens to me when I die. This, a lot of this research comes from Dr. Jeffrey Long. He's an oncologist. He has written a book called uh, Evidence for the Afterlife, and he's researched 1,300 near-death experiences. Again, near-death experiences aren't necessarily biblical, but they give us some ideas and some context for what it may be like as we read through the Bible. There's some interesting percentages that uh, Dr. Long has uncovered. Let me give you some of those. 75% of people who have a near-death experience report uh, being aware of the separation of the consciousness from their body. So you realize something's going on, 75%. 75% also report a very incredibly heightened sensory awareness, colors they can't describe, uh, sounds they can't really describe, but it's just always wonderful and glorious. By the way, when they asked Vicki, the lady whose story I referenced early on in the, in the podcast, they asked her what were the colors she saw, uh, she was unable to identify any colors because she said, you have to realize, I don't know what red looks like. I've never seen red before. I've never seen green. I can't identify colors and put terms on them. But for those, for all who are experiencing, uh, or for 75% of those who are experiencing a near-death experience and, and come back to life, heightened sensory experience, 76% say there is just an incredible peace now, I'm going to say most, if not all of these, are Christ followers, as Dr. Long has reported on his research, but uh, that still becomes a statistic. 64.6% say they encountered a mystical or a brilliant light. There was something about light that was drawing you and drawing them to that, that source of light. 57.3% uh, say that they encountered deceased relatives or even angels. So well over half are meeting people when they come to those heavenly shores. And 58.5% said that uh, they were made aware that they were going to have to go back to their earthly body. So over half of the people who, in these near-death experiences, uh, were sent back uh, to their bodies to continue to do work. So um, some final thoughts on uh, this, uh, this incredible situation of what happens to us when, when we die. The first thought is, is I have to do this. It's, it's the most important thing of all. Have you made your reservation? 
getting on a plane or a train up to a certain age. You get to ride for free. You get to sit on your mama or your dad's lap. But there comes a time when you're no longer a child and you have to have a ticket. If you're listening to this podcast, you're probably all old enough to have to have a ticket. And that ticket is Jesus Christ on the cross. Secondly, be aware that dad is not always dead. And there are people, even when someone has passed away, that might be still hovering or listening or aware of you during that that time, uh, that traumatic time quite often. So at least be aware of what's going on, that something might be more mystical than than what you believe. And then thirdly, um, it doesn't matter... uh, whether you're uh, a miscarried baby who never experienced life or a aborted child who never experienced one day of life, whether you were a soldier cut down in life on the battlefield at the age of 20 or a tragic accident of, of a young teenager or someone who's 110 years old, it doesn't matter how long we live. The only thing it, that really matters for eternity, 100 years from now, the only thing that really matters is are you there? Are you in the place, the abode that Jesus said, I go to prepare for you? So uh, make sure and have those reservations and know where you're going. Now next week we're going to be talking about a totally different uh, subject. We're going to be talking about understanding the glorious Old Testament law. So we're going to be looking at Leviticus and Exodus and Numbers and Deuteronomy. So I hope, uh, hope you'll tune in. It'll be an exciting time and we'll make some sense out of some of those really kind of weird Old Testament laws. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being a part. Have a great day and appreciate you being on this episode of the 24-Minute Bible Podcast. Thank you so much for listening to the 24-Minute Bible Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and look forward to continuing this journey to understanding the Bible, please subscribe to the channel. And if you would be so kind, please share it with your friends who might enjoy it as well. Join us next week with Mark Miner for another episode as we continue to explore how the Bible so beautifully fits together. May you have a blessed week and may God be glorified in your lives.